Well, today's going to be a little different. As you can see, uh, we've got purpose behind doing all this this morning, but we're going to spend some time together in the Word of God uh, regarding some things specifically about this house, but not just this house, your house. Because we're of the mind that whatever God's doing in this house, he wants to do in your house. So let's pray together. We're going to spend some time in the word. Father, we come before you again, just worship and praise. We thank you for your word today. Your word that is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And we look to your word with open eyes and open ears, hearts that are wide open. We want to see Jesus. We want to hear his voice. We want to understand more about who we are in him, who he is in us. And again, Lord, we just thank you because you have begun something precious. You've begun something wonderful here. And we know that it is by your hand. It is of your will. It is by your spirit that we are gathered here together today. So we trust you to anoint our words as we declare your word to your people under your anointing by the help of your Holy Spirit. We look to you and we thank you for the good works that you've You've started and the greater things that are yet to come. We give you all the praise in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is big vision Sunday, big vision Sunday. How big is big vision Sunday? Well, big vision Sunday is so big that I think it's going to take two Sundays. (laughs) Uh, What we're doing this morning as the Lord leads us, I believe is something we're going to do every year. At least once a year, you and I are going to get together and just like this or however he would have us do it, but we're going to talk vision. We're going to talk God's vision, his vision for this place, his vision for his house, but his vision for your house. And we're going to look to the word. That's what we're going to do today. And uh, all of this will become more clear to you as we go. But I've got some things I want to share with you from the word about it. I know Sarah does as well. But this is going to be an important time. And I'm glad you're here this morning because uh, what you're going to hear today is going to require something of you in the coming days. And there's a reason we're set up like this this morning. We did our best here to kind of create a, a little living room because what you see happen in this living room this morning needs to happen in your living room this week. Are we clear on that? It needs to happen in your home. So what you're seeing today is really just an illustration and a demonstration of what we want to see and we believe what God wants to see take place in your house this week. So let's look together, first of all, in the scriptures at the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. This is a verse you're familiar with. You've heard it before. Proverbs 29, 18. It doesn't take long for this verse to come up, especially when you're talking vision. You've probably heard it from the King James Bible that says where there is no vision, what happens? The people perish. Now that's a pretty serious statement. We're going to dig into it a little bit because I think there may be some misunderstanding about what that actually means. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You might think on surface level anyway, you just die without vision. You just dead. I mean, you just, you just stop living. It's, it's not so much that you just drop dead because you have no vision, but I will say this without vision, there's not a lot to live for. Now I'm not saying that to suggest that if you don't have vision, what are you doing alive? You know, you know what I mean though? People without vision, 
there's no drive. There's no passion. They're not moving towards something. They're just getting up every day, day after day, going through the routine. And we all either have been there or know folks that have just going through that grind day after day after day. And without vision, the scripture says, people perish or there's nothing that they're really passionate about living for. I like this in the New King James that says it like this, where there is no vision, or excuse me, where there is no revelation, King James Bible says where there's no vision. New King James says where there is no revelation. See, what you're beginning to see now with this translation is what vision actually is. Somebody who's going to live with vision, specifically God's vision, it's revelation. That's not only what it is, but that's how it comes. Now, people in the world who don't know God, don't love God, aren't living for God would agree with some of these same principles that we're going over that, you know, vision gives you something to live for. But the big difference between us and the rest of this world is what specific vision we're talking about for our lives. Not something, listen to me, not something that came out of your head, but something that came out of his heart. Vision, to live with vision is to live with revelation from God. It is to see what God sees for your life. When he looks at you and what he looks at, what he's created you to be and what he's created you and called you to do, it is to see that. It's to see his plan. It's to see his destiny. He says in this translation again, where there is no revelation, the people, I like the way this translates, cast off restraint. Now, King James says they they perish, but this is saying the same thing in a different way. Where there's no revelation from God, people just cast off restraint. In other words, there's no boundaries. There's no lane. There's no focus. They're all over the place. People without revelation and a vision from God for their lives are all over the map. And they'll try something for, I don't know, eight or 10 years. And when, man, well, that didn't work out, they'll back up and try something else for another half a dozen years. And they're just bumping around, fumbling all over the place. And the scripture talks about the wicked who stumble and they don't even know what makes them stumble. They're just walking around getting tripped up on everything where there's no restraint, where there's no boundaries. Vision creates boundary lines and border lines when you are confident in who God's called you to be and what God's called you to do. Where there is no revelation, when you don't see what God sees, the people cast off restraint, but happy, the scripture says, is he who keeps the law. What is vision? It's simply seeing what God sees. Well, that's the first part of it. Whenever I get to talking about this, I'm always reminded of this story, this thing that happened in our, our family a number of years ago. We were in Florida for a conference and Sarah and I had taken the kids. They were much smaller at the time. I think Jesse might've been two, maybe three years old, which would have made justice five, six at the most. And we had a day off and we were not far from Orlando. So we drove up to the magic kingdom. Anybody ever been to the Magic Kingdom, Disney World Resort, Orlando, Florida? Uh, Justice, I think, had been maybe once, maybe twice before. This was Jesse's first time, I believe. And so we were going to go to the Magic Kingdom, which I have my whole little spiel on what makes it the Magic Kingdom. I don't know if I, well, I do need to say it. Um, No, I don't. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) 
But we spent the whole day there and we're having a good time. The kids are little, they're taking it all in. And if you've ever been, and especially if you're a hardcore Disney person, then you know you can't go to the park uh, and leave before you've seen the 9 p.m. parade. I don't know if you know that or not. It's sort of an unwritten rule. You have to stay for the parade. Uh, and so we were planning on staying. Of course, we'd been there, what, Felt like 36 hours already, but uh, we were going to stay for this parade. Now, we're not the hardcore folks that get to the 9 p.m. parade at like 6.30 so that you can get, you know, the best view and the, the good seat right there along Main Street. We show up a few minutes before it starts, and of course, Main Street is packed. Thousands upon thousands of people on either side of the street. And so we're buried, I don't know, six, eight, ten rows deep off the side of Main Street. And we're trying to see what's about to happen. And all the lights are up and it's bright. And then all of a sudden, everything goes out. And then these big stage lights, show lights come on and it's laser lights and it's smoke and it's sound. And remember, the kids are little. And Justice, like I said, maybe five years old. Jesse, two, maybe three years old. But we're buried deep, right? And I don't know if you remember what it's like to live life down there. <laughs> We've lived life up here for so long that I think we forget that as kids, stuff was always in our way. <laughs> All the time. When you were that young, you know what your view was every day of your life? Kneecaps. That's what you saw <laughs> all the time. And stuff was always in your way. There was stuff that was, everything was bigger than you were. So if we're that far back and my kids are going to see what's coming down Main Street, somebody tell me what's going to have to happen. Daddy is about to have to reach down, right? Pick them up and bring them up to my eye level. And that's what I did. And we've got great pictures of this. They're somewhere buried on my phone, but I've got pictures of justice in one hand, Jesse in the other. Because if they're going to see anything at all, if they're going to get out above what's in their way, above the crowd, above everything blockading their vision, daddy's going to have to lift them up, right? And for just a moment in time, these little guys who live life down low get lifted up and it gives them this whole new perspective. Or you could say it gives them a whole new vision, gives them a, a new way of seeing something. So that's what I did. I reached down, I pick them up, and here comes the parade. Like I said, the lights go down on Main Street, then all these stage and laser lights come up, and the song starts playing, and the band comes in, and those doors open, and these giant floats start coming down Main Street. And there's smoke in the sky, and they're pumping bubbles into the sky. And if you've, if you've never seen it before, it really is kind of sensory overload. I mean, it's a lot to look at. It's a lot to take in. And I remember Justice in my arms looking at it. His eyes are big as saucers. He's trying to take this in. Jesse had a different response. It was so overwhelming to her that she literally buried her face in my chest. It scared her. But you think about it. If you've never seen something like that before, it can be overwhelming, can it? Something that bright, something that big, something that loud. I mean, for all she knows, that's an actual six-foot mouse <laughs> in a top hat and cane, tap dancing right at her. What do you do with that? 
What do you do with that? If you're two years old, how do you process that? It can be scary. Now, here's the thing. She is seeing what I see, isn't she? I picked her up. I lifted her up above everything that was in her way. And for the first time, she's able to see what I see. There's a difference though. We're seeing the same thing. She's seeing what I see, but she's not yet seeing how I see it. That's the other part of vision. She sees what I see, but she doesn't yet see how I see it. That tap dancing mouse scares her when she looks at it. When I look at it, I see a starving college kid in a mouse costume. I'm not afraid. Doesn't scare me, man. I don't, I don't bury my head. I don't close my eyes because I see it differently than she sees it. Listen to me. There comes a time in the life of every child of God and he is faithful. And if he's not yet done it in your life, the day is coming and it's coming soon where he reaches down and he picks you up above everything that's been blocking your vision, everything that's stood in your way, every hindrance, every blockade, every distraction. And he will say, come here, baby, let me show you what I see. Why don't you take a look at what I see when I see you, when I look at your life, when I look at the timeline of your life, not past, but future, where you're headed. Let me show you what I see. And even if it's just for a moment in time, when you get God's vision, when you see what he sees, if you're not watchful, it'll be so overwhelming to you. It'll be so big, it'll look so expansive, it'll look so expensive that yeah, you're seeing what he sees, but you don't yet see how he sees it. You're looking at it going, how in the world am I gonna get from where I am to there? How do I get from what I am to that? And this is why people choose, you hear me? Choose to live without vision. One reason, fear. They get a glimpse of who God's called them to be and what God's called them to do. And then they look to themselves as the source of making it happen. And they say, that's too big. That's too much. And the biggest their vision ever grows is food on my table, clothes on my back, clothe my kids and I'll be fine. And people dress it up. They try to disguise it and make it look and sound like humility. Oh, I don't want all that. I don't need all that. All, all I want is enough for me, my wife, my kids. And it sounds like humility. You know what it is? Selfishness and a pathetic lack of vision. Because you're not making an impact on anybody or anything else. And this is one of the reasons people choose. And I'm, I'm going to use that word again. It's a choice. You have to choose to live without it. It takes faith to live with vision. It takes fear to live without it. Amen. And this is why people are choosing every day to live without, especially God's vision. Because this is one of the big ways I believe you know that you're hearing from him. You want to know what I think is one of the, one of the best indicators that yes, I'm hearing from God. It's him telling you to do something that there's no way you can reach in your pocket and meet the need of it. Because if that's all he ever told you to do, then you'd get the credit for it. You'd get the glory for it. 
This is one of the big indicators. Yes, I'm hearing from God. He told me to do something impossible. He told me to do something there's no way I can do in and of myself. He told me to buy something there's no way I've got the money for. He told me to do something there's no way I've got the strength, mental, physical, financial, or any otherwise to do it. Glory to God, I'm hearing from him. But it takes faith to look at it like that. If you look at it through natural eyes, it's nothing but scary and it's overwhelming. But do you know we've been back to Disney World since then? And Jesse has seen that same parade since then. And I notice now it doesn't scare her at all. She's not afraid of it. She's standing there looking at it, big smile on her face, laughing, enjoying the same thing that used to scare her. Now she finds so much joy in. What happened? Where was the big shift? Did we sit down? Did we have a talk? Did I try to cram into her the, the, the reality of what's going No, here's what happened. She just got older. She just kept growing. She just kept growing. And what has looked impossible to you, what has looked so big, so, like I said, expansive and expensive, if you will just keep walking and if you will just keep growing in the Lord, you'll not only see what he sees, but soon and very soon, you will see how he sees it. And what has looked impossible, you're going to look at and say, no, no, I know my God better than that. And I know that all things are possible to him who believes. I know that with God, nothing is impossible. What's happening? You're changing, not what you see, how you see it. And this is what I believe vision is. It's seeing what God sees and it's seeing how God sees it. Does that make sense to you? And like we read in this um, verse, I'll mention this and then I'm going to turn it over to Sarah. But he said, where there's no revelation, where you didn't get it from God, there's no restraint. The people cast off restraint. Vision creates boundaries. And so much of the time people, even people who, well, meaning talking about getting a vision from God, they talk of it in terms of limitless, unlimited vision. And there is some truth to that, but you have to realize that vision from God, one of the first things it will do is it will create boundaries. It will create borderlines so that you know what to focus on. I'm reminded of when God spoke to Joshua, Joshua chapter one, God spoke to him and said, Moses, my servant is dead. You're up. And he began to talk to him about taking these people. He said, you and these people cross over this Jordan and go into the land. Basically, the land I've been telling you about for years, for generations, for decades. I've been telling you, I've been building a vision in you about this land that I've got waiting for you. And now you're going to take these people into it. And he said some pretty awesome things to him in that chapter. He said some things to him like, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He said things like, every place the sole of your foot will tread, I've given you. Now, if you just take those things and you start trying to apply that, every place the sole of my foot treads, I want this place and I want that place. And you look out and you're walking on your neighbor's car. I claim this car. And I, I'm... 
claiming this and I'm claiming that and I'm walking here and every place the sole of my foot and it sounds good, right? It sounds like faith. No man will stand before me all the days of my life. Well, there were, there were a couple of key verses in between those two statements that God made to Joshua. And this is what he said to him. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life or, or every place the sole of your foot will tread from, you listening? From this river, this wilderness in the Lebanon to the going down of the sun here. What's he doing? Creating boundaries, creating borders. This is where I've called you to be. This is my vision for you. And within these boundaries, you are unlimited. Within these boundaries, there is a limitless supply of the goodness of God. True lack and frustration is really only experienced outside the boundaries, over on the other side of the border. And you're frustrated going, well, I walked here, the sole of my foot tread here. Why am I not prospering? Are you in the borderlines of the vision? How do you think we ended up right here? The vision put us here. This wasn't Jeremy and Sarah throwing darts at a map, deciding where we want to start our church. That's not how this happened. This came out of revelation, a vision from God that took 10 years in the making. You've heard us tell the story, but it got so big and so bright on the inside of us that we finally started taking steps towards it. And I truly believe that the biggest reason we're prospering in this place is because we are within the borderlines of the vision. This is a wealthy place. That's why vision from God has to come out of revelation. You got to know what he sees and how he sees it and where he sees it and when he sees it. And he'll be specific with you about all these things. And it's worth your time to find it out, answer those questions. Because like I said, frustration and lack are out there on the other side of the border, on the other side of the boundary. But within the boundaries of the vision, you are unlimited. He can supply for you here. He can provide for you here. And we are living testimonies of the goodness of God. A great scripture that the Lord gave me when we first started making vision lists. And that's what we're going to ask you to do this week is make a vision list for your year and what you see, what God's showing you. And it's out of Psalm 16:5, and it says, "O oh Lord, you are my portion and my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. What an awesome thought. And I have a good inheritance. But the key is to find out where those boundary lines are, what they are, and yield my life over to God's plan. Yield it over to what he wants to do. Submit my will to his vision for my life. And when I do that, and when you do that, boundary lines fall for you in pleasant places. And your life becomes extremely delightful. Anywhere, anyone trying to live outside the boundary lines in another land that God didn't call them to live in, they will be perpetually frustrated. Mm -hmm. They will be um, continually upset, 
they won't have joy, they won't be prospering. There's something about finding the boundary lines of his will and his plan for your life that causes you to have great success in life. And that's what we found. You know, we don't just choose anything or do anything we want to do. We find out God's perfect plan and how he wants to do it and the way that he wants to do it. Amen. Do you want to keep going? Well, I, um, that reminded me of something that the Lord spoke to Joshua in that same passage. He talked to him about the word staying in his mouth, the word staying in his mouth, meditate on these things, meditate on these things. This is revelation. You know where vision for your life starts? Starts with the word of God. It starts with your time in fellowship with the word of God and the word will paint a picture on the inside. The word will create a vision on the inside. And this is what God spoke to Joshua. He said in verse eight, this book of the law, this word will not depart from your mouth, but when you meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, then, somebody say then, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. It comes out of this meditation uh, in the word of God. I want you to talk to us a little bit about uh, the significance of writing the vision. Well, everybody knows the famous chapter in Habakkuk, right? Write the vision and make it plain. You've probably heard that scripture over and over. But I was thinking this week, and I have done this for years and years and years where I've written my vision and what God's told me to do. But I was thinking this week, I just kept having this thought, go study the book of Habakkuk and see what was going on in that time. And if you read through it, you'll see, you know, Habakkuk was the prophet of the time, and he was having an honest conversation with God throughout this whole book. And he's talking to God, and then he's waiting for God's response. He wants to know what God's going to say. Then he says something back to God and has questions, and then he's waiting on a response from God. But it's just a very interesting time that he was living in. If you read the very first chapter, and you can turn to it if you want, it's in um, verse 2. It says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear. I cry and there's violence and you will not save. Why do you show me sin? I'm, I'm seeing trouble all around me. There's violence all around me. If you keep reading, there's strife in the land that I'm living in. The law of where I'm living is powerless. It says there's perverse judgment in the land that he's living. And uh, he's, he's very upset about what's happening to God's people. Um, and he's, he's wanting to know why are these things happening? Here's the deal. We could be living in a world right now where we have a lot of questions about what's happening, what's happening in our nation, what's happening around the world, the current conditions of what we're living in, but it's no excuse to have no vision. Yeah. And those things going on all around us in the world, they can be, try to become an excuse for living without vision and living without purpose. You know, that's what the natural eyes do. They get caught up and they see everything that's happening around them. And what God is wanting us to do is to see with spiritual eyes, to see with focused faith what he has laid out right in front of us. And it's just interesting as you read through Habakkuk, He's saying all these things to God about everything that's going on in the world, everything that's happening around him, everything he sees uh, in the political world, everything he sees in the nation, all these dark things that are happening, even in his life. You know, this could relate to our life, any kind of strife happening in the family, anything going on, God sees all of it. 
And there may be drama all around you, but you don't have to let drama get in you. And he's seen all the dark things around him. But God says in chapter 2, well, here's what's interesting. If you look at chapter 2, Habakkuk actually says, I'm going to stand my watch and I'm going to set myself to on this high place, on this high tower, and I'm going to watch and I'm going to see what God will say to me. And I... And what I will answer when I'm corrected. So Habakkuk, he's willing to see something a different way. That's right. He's willing to be corrected. He's willing to maybe see it in God's way. He's not just, um, he's not stubborn. He, even though he wonders why and he has questions, he's not just going to yield himself totally over to all the darkness happening in the world. He wants to see it God's way. Here's the first step to having a great vision for your life, being willing to see it God's way. Yeah. And he's willing, he's willing to be corrected. I might be wrong. I might be wrong in my way of thinking. God, you might see it a little brighter than I. You know, all, if you read through the scripture, God even says this in Isaiah, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're so low that you can't think like me. It means come up. Yeah to my way of thinking. Lift up your eyes. Get a glance of what I see. Change your perspective. Don't think so small. Don't be so small-minded that you can't open yourself up to bigger ways of thinking. You know, also in Isaiah, he says this. I believe it's in chapter 54. Enlarge your tents. What does that mean? Enlarge your heart. Make more space in your heart for me. Do you not think that I can do bigger? Do you not think that I can do greater for you than you've ever asked or imagined? Do you not believe that I can do exceeding abundantly above more than you ever asked or dreamed or thought? Or I mean, God is a big God. And just because we sometimes have little thinking doesn't make our little thinking right. That's right. And, and Habakkuk, he's willing to be corrected. And then God speaks. And it's awesome. He says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, Then the Lord answered me, and he said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. I want to read you this other translation. This is out of the Amplified Classic. And it says, the Lord answered me and he said, write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it and read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not deceive or disappoint. And though it tarry, wait earnestly for it. That means don't give up, don't quit, don't give in. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be behind hand on its appointed day. And I just love how he says, don't quit. And I just had it in my heart that there's a lot of people that are ready to quit before they even start dreaming. And God's plan is for us to not be moved by our current condition, our current circumstances, 
but to have a clear vision. The path of the just is like a shining sun. It grows brighter and brighter and brighter, and it will direct you. You just have to picture a, a, this beautiful road. Have you ever just been on a pretty road driving through the woods and there's trees on every side and it's a beautiful day and the light is shining down on the road and through your path. That's what it's like to go after God, to hear from God, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to let his light light up your path in front of you and to be willing to go on whatever path that is, whatever God says go, to be submitted and to be completely willing. And in Habakkuk, um, you know, even in the, um, in the message translation, this is one of my favorite. It says, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters. <laughs> Anybody ever like to just do some artwork on their, well, when they, some little doodles when you're sitting in church? Oh, I'm the only one? Okay. Um, well, you got to write it out in big block letters, what you see, so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. What is that? That's God. He can't wait to see you do all he's called you to do. He, it aches. It's, it's this burning. It's a, supposed to be a fire on the inside. It aches for what's coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait on it. It's on its way. It'll come right on time. Right on time. Now, I want to just tell you this one, this one scripture that stands out to me. Well, let me just finish reading this. Look at the man bloated by self-importance, full of himself and soul empty. This is what it's like to draw back to not be a person with vision. But the person in right standing before God through loyal and ready believing is fully alive, really alive. You know, vision, getting a glimpse of what God has for your future, it'll cause you to really live. Something to live for. Something to live for. Something to go after. And um, in, in just the New King James version of this, it says, Verse four, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. What do we know by that scripture? In Hebrews, we see Paul reminding us of this passage of scripture, talking about how the just will live by faith. You know what? Let me just read you this in Hebrews because this is so powerful. Hebrews 10, 36 through 39, it says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. It says this in verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Vision is characterized by forward motion. Yeah. People with vision are always looking ahead to the future. They're always moving forward. They're walking by faith. That's taking steps by faith. Um, People that have no vision, you can recognize no vision in your life. You are always wanting to go back. Because something in the past was better than where I'm at. Or I can't see ahead to where I'm at. I can't see what God's doing for me. I have limited myself by wanting to go back. And that's a dangerous thing. And the majority 
I just tell you this, the people that we've seen be very successful in life, they, number one, they don't quit. But number two, they just keep walking. They just keep going. They just keep stepping out by faith. They just keep taking risk. They stop worrying about the past and trying to go back to something where they came from. And they keep taking steps. This is walking by faith. The just shall walk by faith. Now, isn't it interesting that even in the Old Testament, that this was still God's requirement for his people? The righteous walk by faith. They didn't get disheartened. They didn't turn back. They didn't draw back. But they got a vision. They caught a glimpse and a vision for their future. And this is what we want to stir you up this morning about what we're going to do next week. We're going to have Big Vision Sunday. And, you know, this is what we do in our house, in our living room. We've done it for years and years and years. I actually started doing this when I was in ninth grade. Okay? I wish I could bring you my vision board this morning that I made in ninth grade. I had a picture of a girl holding this boy's hand running through the forest. And she's smiling, and he's smiling. You can't really see their features, but she's dark-headed, and he's dark-headed. And, I, and, um, and he was really good looking. It was, and we're running through the, some beautiful place. And, you know, you can tell that she's got a wedding dress on. And so it was my vision in ninth, 10th grade to get married to this tall, dark, and handsome man. Now, I didn't know him at the time, but it was what I saw in my heart. I had so many pictures on this vision board. I had pictures of me. I had, the only thing I could see then was I wanted to start leading worship for children's ministry. So I had a picture of me at a piano with a bunch of kids around. And this was my vision for my future right then. You know what? It wasn't within a year that I started leading worship for children's ministry and started ministering to kids. I had a picture of a Jeep Grand Cherokee in there because at the time that was the cool car. It may still be, if you have a Jeep Cherokee in here, it's still a cool car, okay? But I, had a, I wanted a Jeep Grand Cherokee. You know, it wasn't a couple years before I was driving a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And you know what? I, then I got to sew it to my little baby brother over here, um, not very long after that. And just God just kept doing these things. But, you know, it wasn't until I wrote the vision and I made it plain that I started to see things work in my life. This is so Precious to the heart of God. This is his prescribed way of seeing, standing, believing, seeing things come to pass, and seeing him be able to work in your life. Write the vision and make it plain. And so, are you wanting to interject? Mm -hmm. Okay. Just go ahead. Anytime. <laughs> you know, we're sitting in the living room here, yeah. how we are at home. Can, I, can you pass me that blanket? Are you cold? Yeah. <laughs> I will. In the living room, I have like lots of blankets. It's <laughs> true. Anyway, <laughs> so all that to say is over the years, we've begun to do what God told us to do, and we've seen such supernatural things happen in our lives. When I was younger, I had this happen. Then I decided when I was, I, after I graduated college, um, I lived in um, Branson, Missouri, and we would do this with our church. And every year we would get up and we would hold our vision list before the Lord, and we're going to do this next week. We're asking you in your living room this week with your families to write the vision and make it plain. And we would get our whole family together and we will write what God put in our heart. But let me just tell you, before I married Jeremy, 
I made my first real vision list. You know, like, I'm like, this is for real. This stuff works. This is, I got a revelation of what Habakkuk meant. And I filled this book up with everything I could dream of. And that's another interesting thing. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord. You can tell this is my scripture because I cry every time I say it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. That's the classic, amplified classic. And... <laughs> Gosh, come on, Zira. Okay, so every time I think about this, I cry because, you know, dreaming doesn't start with dreaming. Dreaming starts with delighting. Delighting in God, delighting in his word, loving God, finding out his plan for your life. You don't find that out until you love God. Until you know how much he loves you. You spend time in his presence. My dad used to make jokes and he said, Sarah's always downstairs reading her Bible and I'm concerned she's going to be an old maid when she gets older. <laughs> but what was the, the truth was, I was enjoying God and loving God. I would write, sit downstairs and write songs and music when I was, before I married Jeremy. And I didn't care, but I knew... I knew that I knew that I knew that God had a good plan for my life. And it first started, that dream started with delighting. It's the progression of it. It's delight and then dream. And then you get the desires of your heart. And then you start to see these destinations. You start to see what you've dreamed of. You start to see, but it never starts with just trying to make it happen. I'm going to come up with my own ideas. I'm going to come up with my own, uh, my own plans, my own, what, what I want to do with my life. No, it starts with delighting in him. And then he gives you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart, things that only God knows, things that are between only you and God that are secrets. You don't have to tell anybody about them. God knows what they are. And he says that he'll give them to you. When you delight yourself in him. So all that to say, don't know where I was going with that. Started making these vision lists. And um, I put a picture. I decided this year was the year I wanted to get married. I was 23 years old. So I had actually seen. Not an old maid. I was not an old maid. Yeah. Only 23. <laughs> and <laughs> I just had it in my heart. You know, I'm going to make this vision book. And I'm going to believe God everything comes to pass this year. And you know so much of it is not things that I came up with. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, show me what you see. And so I had a page, a husband page, and I put four guys. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know Jeremy yet, but four, four different guys because they all had characteristics of things that, you're going to tell them who I put in there? I'm, I wouldn't do that to you. No. Okay. <laughs> But all of them had characteristics of things that I wanted in a husband. One of them um, was somebody that was musical. You don't know this, but this guy, we write songs together, and he plays a guitar, and he's super musical. One of them was another guy. I'm not even going to tell you. I'll be so embarrassed of myself. Anyway, um, 
one guy, he's just one of those people you see on TV, super full of love. He's a minister and just full of love. So I wanted to marry a man that was full of love. I had um, another guy in there. He's just a movie star. He was really good looking. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you who he is. Anyway, but, and then, this is the other thing. I had seen him preach one day. And when he preached, he ministered to this this woman in this wheelchair and the compassion of God. I just sense like the love of God and the healing power of God. And I just thought, you know, I want to marry someone that's full of the word and full of compassion. And so I put a picture of Jeremy in my no, vision. We didn't, know, we didn't know each other. We didn't know each other. We had never met. And then you guys don't know this story. Gosh, we need to tell, we need to have like a romantic weekend where we tell all of our stories. <laughs> That, that's, that's two weeks from now. <laughs> Everybody's going to be riding in the office. When are we having marriage weekend? Okay, anyway, I, put, I drew in there. I was like, I want a certain kind of wedding ring. I drew my wedding ring in there of what I wanted. Now, all you young people in here, you want to get a vision for your life and find out from God what he's saying to you. I put in there, I wanted to pay off my car. I had a debt on my car. I put in there a picture of me in a studio recording my first album. I put pictures in there. I mean, you just, if you could see it now, I should have brought it. But it's just awesome. I'm telling you, not very long after that, I get a call from a friend that's like, there's this guy and he's seen a, he's seen a picture of you. He just has had you on his heart. He's been praying and, uh, and he wants to meet you. And uh, would you ever be willing to meet him? And I'm like, who is this guy? You know, and they, his name is Jeremy Pearsons. And I'm like, I have him in my vision list, you know. <laughs> but don't tell, don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> but anyway, long story short, we'll tell you the whole story on Romantic Weekend. But <laughs> long story short, we ended up meeting like a few months later. We were engaged a few months. We were married like right away, and it was so supernatural. Now, I'm not telling any of you young people to put a, a picture of a guy in your vision book, okay, a specific guy, but what it did for me is it lifted my eyes up to see what God had for me because I hadn't met anyone that I was interested in. I mean, this guy, he's just... Okay. Okay. <laughs> he... <laughs> I was just say, God gave me exceeding abundantly above, but I had to get a vision. I had to lift up my eyes. I had to see something that was more than just the few options that I had at church. <laughs> this is getting out of control. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Write the vision. Write the vision. <laughs> And I made it really plain for myself. And, um, and, you know, on every page, I had scripture. I wasn't just making stuff up. I had scripture that I was standing in and believing God. And I sat there and I read that vision book every single day. I read that. I looked at that vision book and I would read those scriptures and I would just thank God for bringing to pass in my life everything that he had promised me. For husband, everything. I'm telling you, after we got married, y'all, I... Within the first year, I recorded my first album. It was in the studio. My car, he called me before we got married and told me that the Lord dealt with him to pay my car off. Um, we had just, oh, he, he feels really good now. 
I did not know this was going to go like this. this morning. <laughs> I mean, I had a vision of it, but I didn't. And so anyway, one thing after another, I'm telling you, I look back on that year and I mean, almost my whole vision book was completely done. It's like mark off, mark off, mark off, mark off, mark off. God was so faithful to me. But did you know that every year after that, I haven't always been as faithful with my vision books. Okay, just going to let you in on a little secret. I've had years where I've had babies and uh, been more consumed with the ministry and just a lot of things going on. But did you know I haven't seen as much come to pass in those years as I did in the years where I looked and I, and I went back to it and I thank God for it every day? I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing to look at, to write the vision, make it plain where you can read it and you can run with it. And so um, I just wanted, this is something that I had, I read earlier, this is kind of random, but I, I saw this, a study done where a professor polled a large group of people and he found this out. Now, you know, polls are what they are and you can only poll so many Americans, but this is what he found out, get the heart of it. 80% of Americans said that they did not have goals or vision for their future. 16% had goals or vision, but they had never written it down. 4% had goals, had written their goals, but had never looked at them again. And only 1% had written their vision and looked at it regularly. And guess what? That 1% was in the top successful people, millionaires in the country. People who had written their vision, kept their eyes on their vision, and ran with it. It's an awesome thing to write the vision and make it plain. But I just wanted to tell you, do you have any more thoughts on this? I have so many thoughts. <laughs> so I had that happen whenever, before we were married. But then after Jeremy and I were married, it became even more powerful because we started to dream together. And you know, the Bible tells us that where two or more agree on touching anything, that'll be done by their Father in heaven. We came into agreement over so many things. We started seeing so many miracles happen. Now, there's so much power in agreement between a husband and a wife, but there is so much power in disagreement. And if you want to know why some things may be hindered in your family or in your household, this, is, this could be the one step. Get into agreement. Come into agreement with God. Sit down together as a family, write your vision and make it plain. Jeremy and I began to do this. I remember one year we did our vision list and we got it so strong in our heart that we were supposed to move to Colorado. We were supposed to come to Colorado. You know, I'll tell you this too. In my vision list, I put everything in there. I put things that I'm believing God to happen for um, in my health, in my family's health. And it's not just when it comes to money and things. I put things in there. Well, you know what? We should go over that list. Mm-hmm. You want to do that? Yeah. We have, we have a list for you, and you guys can put this on the screen. But we're, this is what we're going to ask you to do this next week. But first of all, kingdom first. What we will sow and how we will serve. We write this down first. What's going to happen in the kingdom? And I actually want you to go over this. But for me, over the years, I have seen that this work in my personal life and in our family, and I believe it's supposed to work in our church. This is a, not just an organization, not just a place where we come. This is a family. And we're supposed to be seeing God move in our families, in all the families of this church. 
So I want to encourage you guys to do what we do in our home, um, in your family. And just before you go over that, um, we started doing this. We had, I remember laying in bed and we started to dream together, Jeremy and I. Did you know you're supposed to dream with your spouse? You're supposed to sit and dream and have time with God. And we sat down and we would dream. And I remember, I don't know, it was, it's over 10 years ago now. We started dreaming about having our own ministry, having cabins in the mountains of Colorado Amen. where we could bring ministers in and minister to them. I mean, we had, it, we had it all laid out. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. And I don't know if you guys know, but up here we bought this whole property and we have about how many cabins? Nine. Nine cabins on this property. That's one reason we knew this was what God had for us because we had written the vision and had the dream 10 years ago. So when we saw this place, we knew that's God. And so we had this dream of having legacy, we called it Legacy Ranch, up in the mountains of Colorado. And you know, we didn't see that happen right away, but we wrote the vision and we never lost heart of it. And we've seen so many, I can't even tell you, if I were to go through and tell you all the examples, it would take all day. So maybe another time we can have, maybe next year, Vision Sunday, or another time we can talk and tell you the miracles and the testimonies of what God's done. But every year we have done this, we've seen miraculous things in our lives. And we want the same for you. And that's why we're doing this this morning. So when you're making your vision list, it's important that you cover these things and what makes us different and you hear us say this quite a bit, there's supposed to be a difference between you and the rest of this world. And what Sarah's already said is these are principles that are at work in the world. And people realize that you put these things into practice and it works. But the big difference is we put the kingdom of God first. It's not just some list where you dream up everything you've ever wanted and everything you've ever you know, wanted to drive, wanted to wear, wanted to live in. I mean, those things are fine, but not if they come before the kingdom. Kingdom must be first. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So when you're making your vision list, put that up there at the top, kingdom first. And then say this, what we will sow and how we will serve. So there's two things you need to seek the Lord uh, together concerning. What are we going to sow into the kingdom of God this year? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you're not purposeful about your sowing, if you're not purposeful about investing financially into the kingdom of God, it may be a second thought. You may do it, but you'll never be consistent with it. But if you'll do what we're talking about right now and set it out there as a goal. Listen, if you've never been a consistent tither, start right there. Start right there. Because there's a portion, the scripture teaches us, of what comes in that belongs to the Lord. It's that tithe. It's that 10%. Start with making the commitment in this coming year. We are consistent and faithful tithers. And it's a joy and it's an honor to return back to the Lord what belongs to him. And then after you've decided we're going to be a tither with the 10%, if you've never been a giver or a sower on top of that, say, you know what, this year, we are putting 11%. Start with that 1% right there. We are putting 11% into the kingdom of God. That's the tithe plus 1%. And if you will make that commitment and, and the decision we are going to be faithful to seek first the kingdom of God, do it and watch 
as that opens up a door of access, like we've already said, for God to go to work in your life. But it's got to be kingdom first. Now, when we go over these lists specifically next week, we're going to tell you where we're at in the ministry, where we're at in the church, and the percentage that we're sowing beyond the four walls of this church and this ministry. But it's got to be kingdom first, making the commitment to be a tither, making the commitment to be a sower. But it's not just your finance. What are we going to sow and how are we going to serve? If you're not yet serving at this church and this you believe is your church, I, I would say do it right now. I would say fill out a volunteer form and be ready to serve wherever and whenever you're called upon because this is opportunity to put the kingdom of God first. We don't have a, a big long track or path to membership here. We're not real big on membership. This is a family and being a part of the family is you taking your place in the family and every member of the family, when they do their part, the house thrives, the house flourishes, the house grows. So what are we going to sow and how are we going to serve? You're going to find out that's a big deal with us because we believe it's a big deal with God. Find a place to serve and then be faithful. Be faithful. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't murmur. Oh, I wouldn't do it this way. I wouldn't do it. that. Oh, just plug in. Just plug in and serve however you need me, wherever you need me. Happy to help, here to serve. That's the attitude of faithfulness that we're looking for. So what comes first? Kingdom is first. When you're sitting down together, put kingdom first and answer that question. What are we going to sow and how are we going to serve? Second. Can I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. The way that we put the kingdom first is with our time our treasure, and our talents. That's how you put the kingdom first. It's not, I have a lot of money and I'm just gonna give to the work of God. No, you wanna get all in to the things of God. I'm telling you, life is short. We don't have that much time left. And a lot of people just go through this life and they put their thing first. They put number three on this list. What are the things we're believing God for? They put that first on their list. And that is having your priorities in the wrong place. You want to get your priorities lined up to see things the way God sees them. Putting kingdom first. Seeking first the kingdom. If you put your house and your things first all the time, that's not putting God and his things first. We want to get in here with our whole heart and we want to serve him. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You can't make people serve and you don't want to make people serve. That's not it. Serving is from the heart and there will be no reward in it if it's not done from the heart. So I just want to encourage you, find out, seek the Lord and find out, Lord, is this my house, my church family? And if so, Show me how I can be a blessing. Show me where I can serve you, how I can serve the other members of this family. And being willing and available, I'm telling you, these things are so close to the heart of Jesus that if, you, if these things need to be first and lined up and in place and right in the heart before any of number two and number three on this list can happen. So, yeah. Kingdom first. Kingdom. Say it again. Kingdom first. Kingdom. It's always kingdom first. Uh, number two, this is what we want you to put in the second spot. Know what we owe. 
Know what we owe. And what you do with this part of your vision list is go through and get specific about any debt that you have, any financial obligation that you are committed to. And the reason we do this is because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23, it says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. It takes some diligence to know your financial affairs. And I think many people would love would love it if I, if I just ignored it, it would go away. If I just didn't acknowledge the debt, I don't have the debt. That's like a kid covering their eyes and saying to you, you can't see me. <laughs> That's not how it works, right? You can't just ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Know what you owe. Now listen, when it comes to debt, I want to tell you a couple of things. And we can talk more about this in the future, but just briefly. Number one. Do not be condemned. Do not put yourself under condemnation. Even if you made some financial mistakes or even if you made some poor financial decisions and it put a big financial pressure on you or your family. Listen to me. Are you ready? That was in the past. And there is nothing that the blood of Jesus can't cover. So don't be and don't put yourself under condemnation regarding those things. But number two, be a man or be a woman of your word. And if you are in debt or you do have an obligation, pay it, pay it, be faithful to make that payment. And if for some reason you're short, don't ignore it, reach out. Talk to the person that you owe and say, listen, this is what I can do. Make an attempt. Do you know how many people are living under a crushing burden of debt in this country and around the world and aren't even making a faithful attempt? But that's wicked. I said it's wicked and it's evil to tell somebody you're going to do something and not do it. If you have a debt, if you owe somebody, pay it and be faithful to pay it. But number three, don't just live the way of this world and say, well, I'm just going to live under this burden of debt my entire life. No, go before the Lord and ask him for help in getting it paid off, getting it paid more quickly. You know, you don't have to live 30 years, 40 years, 50 years under the burden of it. The Lord can strengthen you and enable you to do something in five years, 10 years that would take everybody else 30 or 40. But you got to go ask him. You've got to be faithful. And the only way you can start with any of that is to be honest with yourself and be honest with him and say, Father, this is what I owe. You got to know what you owe. And you're going to have to look at it. Even if you don't want to, you're going to have to look at it. And I suggest this week you take some time in any debt from your house to your car or consumer or credit card, whatever it is, get honest about it, put it on paper and say, okay, this is what we owe. No condemnation over it, but in Jesus name, we are moving towards the place in our lives where we are free of this debt because that is God's best. That is God's highest. And when you are free from debt, you know what that means? It means you are free to do with your money whatever you and God decide is best to do. That is his best. So in this second place in your vision list, know what you owe. Write it down, be honest about it, and then let the Lord give you a plan and supply extra. Now, I know a lot of people, when you start talking debt freedom, the only thing they can think of is a big fat check in the mail that takes care of everything. And that happens. And God certainly is able to do that. But you know what else he does more times than that is gives you extra. 
extra, a little bit extra coming in this month, a little bit extra coming in this month. And you got a few extra dollars to put on the debt. Do it. Don't go get deeper in the hole. Come on, put it where he says, put it. And part of God being able to prosper you and me is you and I finding out what he wants done with the money. Because if he adds money to you and you do something else with it than what he told you to do, that's misappropriation of funds. And he can't be part of that. Find out what he wants done with it and do it. And watch as he gets you out of that debt in record time. That's what I'm believing God for. And we'll talk more about that again next week. And then finally, in this third place in your vision list, what's number one? Kingdom first. What's number two? Know what you owe and get in faith about it. And then finally, number three, believe big. We talk a lot in here and we're going to talk more about it, about raising a family in the household of faith. That is a part of the vision of this church because Sarah and I both were raised in households of faith and we know it's different. It's different in that house than it is in every other house on the block. And one of the big things that defines a household of faith is in this house, we believe big. We don't think small. We don't believe small. We believe big. And just like Sarah read to you about the prophet who was seeing a bunch of stuff going on around him, it took believing big to see something else. And in this house, we believe big. And what I mean by that is in this section of your vision list, we want you to write down, listen, what you would have and what you would do if money were no object, if price were not a factor. Now, this is where it gets fun. I said, this is where it gets fun because you just get to sit there and you just get to dream and you, you get to let the spirit of God paint a picture of you on the inside of what you would look like if you were living life more abundantly. And this is a problem because most people can't even imagine it. Most people can't even imagine themselves out of debt. Most people can't even imagine themselves whole and well and strong in their body. Many people can't imagine their home full of peace with no strife in it. People can't imagine themselves living in better, driving better, wearing better, able to give more, able to do more, able to serve more. Most people can't even picture themselves that free. And that's a problem. And this is your opportunity right now to get free of all that and let the spirit of God show you what you would look like with life more abundantly going on in your house. And this has been some of the most fun we've ever had just to dream big. And this place, the very room you're sitting in right now was a big dream in our hearts 10 years ago. And it seemed impossible. But like I said earlier, that's how you know you're hearing from God. Jesus said in Mark, 29, or Mark 9, verse 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The Bible says you have not. Why? Because God doesn't want you to have it. No, because you ask not. Could it really be that simple? That one of the big reasons you're not experiencing and, and possessing some things God wants you to have is because you hadn't asked for it. Could it be that simple? Yeah. The Bible also tells us, Jesus told us, ask and it will be given to you. Jesus also said, if you being a good father, if your son asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? He said, how much more is your heavenly father good to you? 
If you ask for it, will he give it to you? This is your opportunity to ask and to believe big. And don't sit there and say, what about this? Oh man, that's so expensive. Stop right there. You got to get a hold of that. That's what this whole exercise is about. Get that, get those money hangups out of the way. It's dreaming, man. Dream. There's no price on dreaming. Dream big. Let the Lord paint a picture in your heart. Let him create some vision on the inside. And here's the big thing right here. Get the future on your mind. Get the future in your thinking. One of the big assignments of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said it, is he would show you things to come. And sad to say it, many people can't get the past off their mind. But you've got to get on your mind what's on God's. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. One translation of that scripture said, I know the plans that I have for you. The Amplified says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. When you look that up, it's one Hebrew word that translates to thoughts and plans. Now, try as you may, you cannot plan the past. You can't sit down and make your to-do list of what you're going to do yesterday. Can't do it, can you? Isn't it interesting that that same word translated both to thoughts and plans. In other words, what's on God's mind is not the past. It's the future. So you got to get it on your mind. Get on your mind what's on his, the future. And this is your opportunity to get the future on your mind. And sit down together husbands, wives, with your children. Some of the most miraculous things we have experienced in connection to these vision lists has come out of the mouth of our kids. Two times now, twice, have we sat down with our kids and said, guys, we, we believe it's time to move to another home. What are we believing God for? Now, think twice before you do that because they ain't hung up on cost. They're not looking at budget. They're not looking at interest rates. And Justice just started talking. First thing out of his mouth one day was when we were talking about the house, he said, I want a soccer field. Not a soccer goal, a soccer field. We're like, okay. Then he's like, I want a pool. And then he said, I want a go-kart track. And she and I both were kind of fighting that tendency to be like, well, okay, but let's get real. And the Lord just said, shut up. Don't you say a word. And we started looking at this house and we had, our attention had been drawn to it. It was uh, the house that belonged to some, some people we knew. And uh, I thought, man, this seems good. And we'd never been over to it. Uh, we just kind of looked at it in some pictures, looked at it online. I did the Google Earth view of it, looking top down. It had about four acres on it. And the more I zoomed in, I said, Sarah, look at this. And from Google Earth, you could see that on the back acre, they had set up soccer goals two of them. They had their own soccer field. Only to find out later, this family had teenage boys, both of which had their own go-karts, and they turned their four-acre property into a go-kart track around the whole field, down the S-shaped driveway in the back. They had a go-kart track. And when they moved and we moved in, they left a go-kart. I'm telling you, let the kids dream. Let the kids dream. When it, came time to move, when it came time to move here, 
into the house that we moved in here. I won't go over all the details, but once again, Justice, Jesse, they started making this list and we're like, okay, okay. The first house we looked at had every one of these things and we would not have looked at it. The price seemed too big for where we were. But the Lord did one thing after another. We got a miraculous deal on it and it marked off everything on the list. These lists are powerful. When you go before the Lord and you find out what's in his heart and you get it in yours. I mean, get specific. Get really specific. You want to get focused. And it's not enough to just think, oh, it's just going to happen or maybe it'll happen or any of that. That's not faith. Faith is very accurate. It's very specific. And you know, for us, even I remember going before the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm going to put on my vision list. I'm going to believe you for five acres. I wanted five acres. I just wanted a little bit of land for a house. And as I brought that before him, I heard in my spirit so clearly, that's not right. You need to believe me between two and 20 acres. I thought two and 20. Okay. What is, what is that going to mean? Well, when I found my house, it was 13 acres. It was more than I thought I could believe for. It was what God had in mind for me. He knew. Little things like that. Get real specific on what he tells you. And I just had one more thing come up in my heart about this. Husbands, lead your family. I cannot tell you what it means to me to have a husband that will lead my family. That will gather the family together and say, you know what, guys, this is what we're going to sit down and we're going to do this right now. We're going we're gonna to make our vision list. We're going to get together. We're going to pray together. We're going to seek God together. It'll make the difference. You know, if you have any kind of, if you want a vision for your family to be strong and close, to have a great marriage, you want, you want to... You want to begin to just get in there together and do these things. I mean, we just gather our kids up sometimes. We, we're driving along the road, and they'll be on their iPads, and we'll say, everybody, turn off the iPads, turn everything off. Listen, look out your window. Look at God's creation. Look at the mountains. Get a view. What is God, what, is God, uh, what are you excited about? What are you believing for? What's your vision for the future? What do you see? We say this to our children all the time. Yeah. And you know what? They have no lack of vision. <laughs> they are always thinking big. They're always excited about something, always dreaming about the future. They have no limitations. They're not worried. We never tell our children that's too expensive. We never tell them you can't have that. You know what? They could go past me and Jeremy and ask God for it, and God could give it to them. Well, who am I to say God can't do that for you? No, we serve a big God. We have an awesome God. And I'm taking all the limits off. And I want to be that kind of person. I want to be that kind of woman that God can say, you know what? I've got this for your family. I know you don't see with your natural eyes, but see with some spiritual, some spiritual insight here. And so I believe God to help me see bigger, help me see beyond where I'm at. And I want to encourage you guys to help your children do that. Think about where they could be when they're your age or my age. If they have no limitations, if they have nothing stopping them from believing in their big and their awesome God. Amen. 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 Stand on your feet with us. Thank you, Lord. Like I said, the big deal here is that you get the future on your mind. And these things are significant, they're important, and they're going to be a part of the life of this church. So I'm asking you, if we're your pastors, I'm asking you to do this. Make some time this week. Set aside some time. Pray over this. Seek the Lord and write these things down. 
And don't just do it for our sake. Do it for yours. Do it for your own family's sake. Next week, we're going to get to remind you a bit about the vision of this church and what the Lord's put in our hearts and what we can see this place becoming. And we'll go over that. But you need to have a vision of your home. What does your house look like thriving and prospering and flourishing with life more abundantly? And one of the big first things to do when it comes to vision, I'm reminded of what God said to Abraham. There was strife in the house. Abram's and Lot's herdsmen were fighting and Abram went to him and said, let there be no strife between us. That's where you got to start. Let there be no strife between us. Deal with the strife. And once he dealt with the strife, then you see in that same chapter in the book of Genesis chapter 13 that God spoke to Abraham and he brought him out to the edge of this mountain and he said this to him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, all the land that you see I've given to you and to your descendants forever. You notice what happened when all the strife left? Vision came. When you turn off the strife, vision can come. And this, the steps to receiving his vision were so simple. God said to him, lift up and look from. And it sounds so, so simple, but so many people are doing just the opposite. Instead of lifting up their eyes, looking from the place they are, their eyes are down looking at the place they are. And they just get so consumed with what's going on right here around them, what they don't have, what they wish they did have, and what, how bad it looks, and, 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 and it's not getting any better, and it's not getting any better. That's, that's letting your eyes down looking at the place. Come on, lift up. Lift up. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. Lift up your eyes. Don't look at the place. Look from the place. If you don't like the place you're in, don't worry about it. That's just the place you're looking from. That's just the place you're looking from. And what are you looking to? The future. I can see my future from here. I can see who God's called me to be, what God's called me to do. The big thing is get the future on your mind. Amen. Father, we thank you for what we've heard today. And we ask you, Lord, to be faithful as you have always been, as you continue to do. Lift us up. Pick us up like little children and, and give us your perspective that we may see not only what you see, but how you see it. And Lord, we will be strong and be courageous. Won't be afraid. We will not be dismayed. We'll run to the vision and not from it. And I ask you, Lord, to help this church family all week long stir in them your plan, your desire. Father, teach us to put the kingdom first. When it comes to our debt, Lord, we ask you for the help, the supernatural strength and help to get free of it quickly. We thank you for doing that for us, Lord. And we ask you to stir up in our hearts what you desire for us to have, what you desire for us to do, and that people may see your goodness in our lives and that men may be drawn to you by it. Thank you, Lord, for great vision, big vision. Stir it in us, Father. Give us the strength and the courage to take steps towards it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Are, you, are you clear on your instructions? You know what you got to do. What's number one? Kingdom first. What's number two? Know what you owe. What's number three? Believe big. Go write it down. Then next week, bring it with you to church. We're going to hold it before the Lord and we're going to see miracles in this place. Amen. Anything else? We love you guys so much. We're praying for you this week and we believe that by his grace, by his help and by the leadership of his, his spirit, you will always be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing 
with the right people in Jesus' name. We love you. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.